Today we have Frankie Ruiz. We'll start with a dap. We'll get to a hug later. But uh, Frankie, I uh, I love you, man. You're a legend in Miami, and uh, I'll never forget before I moved to Miami when uh, when I was looking at the pictures of the the Nike Run Club, and uh, I love Run Clubs. Uh, I've always been part of them for years, and to see that many people running together uh, was just like wow. I was like, that's I'm gonna make so many friends. And then, of course, I moved right like before during COVID, so uh, we had to wait. We had to wait for this. This is long overdue, but uh, I think uh, a lot of people in Miami look up to you, and you inspire a lot of people. Um, started the the Miami Marathon, um, but I love to kind of just go back and find out how you became so passionate about running. Um, so, where were you born? Right here, man. Right here, Miami. Miami, Miami. I'm real Miami. I was born in, in uh, at Mercy Hospital, so. In uh, kind of area of Coconut Grove. Coconut Grove. Yeah. Nice. And I never, never left Miami for more than I think the longest I've ever been gone was three weeks for my honeymoon. Um, you said you never leave the three o five. That's what you said somewhere, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> Only for a honeymoon. I'll, I'll, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I'll sink. I'll sink with a city. The wife didn't want to do a staycation. <laughs> no, no. So so yes, yeah, I, I almost I tried to convince her. The one thing I did tell her, I was like, we're not going anywhere cold. So that's Absolutely we went not. somewhere warm for for a honeymoon. But no, I've I've lived here my whole life, and I was born and raised in the three o five, as a, as they say. Okay, and so were you like kind of jumping out of the womb, running all over the hospital, or like oh, what's man. the story of you loving no, running? Man. No, no, no. <laughs> not at all, not at all, not that I know of. Um, no, I started running probably was about ten years old. Dad asked me to go go on a run with him, him and a friend. Or didn't ask me; he just kind of said I'm going to run. I said I'll join you, and kind of never looked uh, looked back after that. I was like, this is this is cool feel like you you own your own um uh your own outcome your own your own um uh performance as as they say you can train yourself and you don't need to depend on somebody to tell you come off the bench and i i kind of like that it was like feeling of independence mm -hmm. a feeling of uh of control and, and yeah Nice. So were you uh, doing cross country as a kid in school? I did. I did. Yeah, I did cross country. I was. I was, first. I was the weird kid that liked to run laps at PE. Um, then that kind of evolved into eventually being part of a formal cross country team, and then obviously track. And now as an adult, run clubs and marathons and everything in between. So, yeah, it was. Uh, it was just. I, I. Not that I didn't play any other sport. I played every other sport whether it was football basketball soccer i did them all but there was something about running that i knew was going to be with me for for a long time and i stuck to it so so yeah. and i wasn't and I, full disclosure to everybody i wasn't all that great at it but i i knew i had the keys to getting better and just knowing that kept me in the sport mm, interesting so did you end up running i know you went to fiu right i did i did man i walked on um you know i always wanted to tell my kids i was a collegiate athlete and so I walked on to see what that was like at FIU um, and for those that don't know FIU it's one of the largest uh, public uh, universities in the country and uh, I, I did about two years worth of, of track there um, I did the 800 I did high jump I actually competed in a few meets so as a walk-on and uh, and yeah the rest is something 20 years from now I can say I did 
college uh, track. So. Okay. And then out of school, what did you study at school? So I studied public public relations, um, you know, kind of known as communications, uh, back uh, for my bachelor's, and then decided I was gonna gonna do my master's immediately. So I jumped into trying to do an MBA, and I I just said this is this is not for me. So I I jumped out of the MBA program and I jumped right into an MPA, uh, which is a master's in public administration. It's basically. Um, the same as a business administration master's, but minus the numbers. <laughs> um, numbers were, weren't my, my best friend, so I, uh, I wanted somewhere that I would be a little social and meet, meet some folks along the way, and the MPA seemed to, to draw more of that. So um, did, uh, I even taught a semester at FIU while I was doing my master's and enjoyed public administration. I just had this, this draw to, to politics, to government work, uh, parks, uh, anything having to deal with, uh, with government entity. And so I thought that that's where I, I, I was going to end up at some point. So that's why I chose public administration. Yeah. And so what was like your first job out of, out of there? <laughs> so out of there, actually, I didn't have a first job out of there. I was, I was, I've been working as long as I can remember. Um, took in all sorts of odds and end jobs. I, I started a small business where I, I did uh, vending machines. I had a hundred locations. I was doing really well. So I didn't need like a, you know, a, nine, a regular nine, nine to five. Uh, but I did a bunch of internships. I did an internship with, uh, with a few uh, local elected officials. I did an internship with, um, with a PR agency and just never said no to anything that came my way. And that's kind of where I I started with the mantra of don't stop, which is basically got invited to something, you got an opportunity to, to do something, I would just say yes at that age. You know, now I'm a little older and I have, I have family and a little less time on my hands, but in that, I bumped into more or less what, what I'm doing now. Yeah, so I, let's, I guess let's start with that. Was that, were you doing these jobs and then you just had a, like, what was the idea where, where you started the, the marathon? So... Going back to running specifically, I um, had two things running still going in my life during my master's, and one of those was coaching. I I knew while I while I ran at in high school that I wanted to be a coach one day. I just not that I I wasn't one of those guys there. I I can do this better. On the contrary, I was like I want to do what he's doing. Like I just I was always drawn to 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 my uh, high school coach in that manner. So um, I started as an assistant coach and uh, was helping at the middle school level. And I was just in that world of running uh, cross country and track and field. And then adjacent to that or running sort of parallel to that, I was um, uh, trying to figure out how to produce races. So I produced my first 5K. I was probably 18, 19 years old. Did that in, in the neighborhood. Um, with a couple hundred people, and then from there, uh, I don't know, remember exactly how, but I linked up with a an Italian group that was putting on a fitness festival in South Beach, and I said, "This is awesome! Like events is where where I want to live, where what I want to do," and I I just was drawn to the idea of bringing a group of people together for a healthy, you know, and experience if 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 that's what that's what you want to call it. Um, and and yeah and and through that I bumped into the idea and and I say bumped into because uh, 
um, it's kind of a crazy story, and I'm, I know we have we have an hour, so I don't want to I don't want to take too long on it. But it was it was one of those things that um, the right question was asked in the right at the right moment. Why the Miami Marathon didn't exist, or, mm-hmm. or why Miami didn't have a marathon? And I just so happened to be in that room, um, and with the help of, of many, uh, this wasn't this wasn't anything by by any stretch my my own alone doing. We uh, we started to put together the idea of, of of bringing the a marathon back to Miami because in the seventies and eighties distance running here in, in South Florida existed, uh, and in, in in fact it was called the Orange Bowl Marathon. Uh, just um, never really got the wheels. I mean, they, they laid the foundation, but never really got the wheels that it, it needed to to sustain itself through, um, you know, through twenty years like we are here now with the Miami Marathon. So uh, yeah, that was two thousand three. Started the the marathon. Quickly built up my agency with with two other partners uh, of of race production. We created some events from scratch. Um, in a, in a city that doesn't look like it looks now, but nonetheless, it was still a city. It was, it was a major, what I would call one of the major cities without a true, um, you know, a marathon to call uh, of its own. And so it, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't easy to pull off that first year to say, we're going to shut down 26.2 miles of roads. Uh, this may ring a bell to you. You're darn young, but, um, you know, the movie bad boys. Yeah. So, um, yeah, now everybody knows Bad Boys, right? Because of Will Smith, I guess. <laughs> so, um, uh, Bad Boys was filming in Miami, and it caused all sorts of chaos uh, uh, on the MacArthur Causeway because they shut down the MacArthur mm-hmm. for hours. And here I was a few months after this going to the city and saying, I'm going to shut it down again. <laughs> so, it was uh, it was an interesting time to be asking good for permission. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, we're those are the bad boys. Now we're the, the good boy. That's a good way to put it. So, uh, so yeah. So we put this uh, this idea before the city and both cities, the city of Miami, Miami Beach, and with the help of, of friends, uh, mayor back then, Mayor Manny Diaz, uh, Mayor Pinellas, which is a mayor in the county, and the mayor of Miami Beach, as well as some commissioners, uh, they all kind of came together and helped us with that first edition. Um, 2003 yeah and uh, you just pick up the phone and call these people or you were really connected in government already or? no man I, I like goes back to like my beginnings I, I worked a bunch of political campaigns um, I wasn't I wasn't partisan back then partisan politics really as far as I could see weren't, weren't as divisive so it was okay to work for um, you know a Democrat that was running for office it was okay to work for a Republican um, I worked. I worked for some names that are still around. I, I, I hesitate to say them because everyone gets, you know, all cited right away. But um, but I worked for them because I just enjoyed. I enjoyed the idea of knocking on doors. I enjoyed the idea of uh, of of following a leader. In this case, you know, a politician. And so I worked. I don't know, maybe ten, twelve different campaigns. So in that, you meet a lot of these gatekeepers of of a city. Uh, and um, and just kind of built my network from there. You know, keys were given to me as far as like here. You know, here's my, my dad was in an unrelated business. He was he was a sales uh, uh, man for um, Procter and Gamble. So he didn't give me the keys to, to political doors. Um, and uh, I I went to a, a relatively well known high school here, uh, Belen Jesuit High School, 
so yeah that provided some some entry but the rest of it really was just you know meeting meeting and building relationships and and caring for other people's you know um, I don't know uh, time and 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 sort of yeah and so that that helped me um, build this this credibility when I did have to call somebody and and sell them on this idea uh, whether it was a commissioner, Commissioner Sally Heyman, Commissioner Diaz, all these different different folks that, for me, were you know on pedestals because and they still are a lot of these folks because I grew up reading the Miami Herald and really diving hard into just knowing every little inch I could I could find uh, about the city. For me, it wasn't you know I was I was call, I mean, a twenty year old punk calling some of these. How old were you at this time? I was twenty. You were yeah. twenty when you started the marathon. Yeah, twenty. Let's see, I'm 43 now, so the marathon just turned 20, so I was 22, 21. Oh, wow. But the initial plans were at 21, I would say. Um, I don't drink, but I wasn't old enough to drink, so, so that should tell you something, how how, how young I was. But, um, yeah, man, I was a kid. Yeah, not to knock any. Had you run a marathon before? So, I had. I, um, I actually um, did the Disney Marathon. Um, Disney Marathon, did the Disney Half Marathon, and... I, it, I, I can't say I loved the idea of running a marathon, but I, I liked the spectacle. I liked everything that, that it, it, it entailed. Personally, um, I learned a lot from running my first few races. Uh, I was Even though I thought I knew it all, the races I was running were 5Ks and mm. 800 meters and cross-country distances and so forth. So, uh, yeah, of course I can do a half marathon. Of course I can, but I don't care who you are. Most most uh, uh, young runners that ran in high school and jumped straight into a marathon or half always have that first bad experience. And mine was... Oh, yeah. So, you know, a wake-up call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... There's a reason, like, a lot of the professionals peak around in the later years, you know, for mm-hmm. distance running. It takes to some serious mental strength. And I'd say it's almost like overcoming boredom, you know? But, like... <laughs> True. I guess the older you get, the more your attention span is longer and you can like put up with it. Yeah. Do you have any secrets, any marathon tips? <laughs> any secrets? Uh, man, it's really, it's really about time on your feet, right? Like, the more time you spend running, um, just the better you, you end up getting at controlling what happens to you when you run, right? Um, you, you build this long-term aerobic conditioning that that allows you to, or aerobic fitness rather, that allows you to um, sustain running at a certain level. So if I were telling anybody um, how to train for a race at either a young age or even later on in their life is, is look at it, you know, a little, little longer than just that next race or just 16 weeks out or a few months out, like really think about developing your fitness through long, uh, a longer term. I think that way you're not going to take it as a bucket list item. You're not going to take it as a one and done, just get out of the way. You might make it part of your life. And you might be like this recent guy that crossed the uh, Miami Marathon uh, finish line, or half marathon finish line at 90, 91 years old. Like that, That's where I want to be. I, I, you know, he had a ton of joy. Legs were still able. Um, his, his lungs obviously are amazing. I, that's, that's what I would give someone advice now is just look at it as something that you can do forever, not something you can do next week or next month or whatever. Yeah. So are you, uh, you're still running marathons yourself? 
I haven't done one. I haven't done one since New York, uh, a little bit before COVID. Um, so I, I, I might pick one this year. I think things are settled in again. So I might, I might have some time to train. Um, maybe one of the big, I like to do the big city ones just because it, I can relate. Not necessarily, I can't, can't relate to New York where they're at 50,000, but meaning everything that, th- that goes into those races, a lot of that happens at ours. So I, it's like research, market research a bit. Yeah, it's market research, and, and then we have a lot of friends in the industry, so I get to see what you know what they're, what they're producing. So that's a, you know, this is a, this is a fun fact for you. So the race director of the New York City Marathon right now uh, is a guy named Ted Metellus, and he actually worked here in Miami with us in our office as our our race director for about a year and a half. Um, so uh, we have a connection to New York's marathon, which is arguably the you know the pinnacle and the the, the greatest race on on, on earth as, as, as they well, say. the Boston marathon. I think Boston's great, but it, Boston's more about um, the, the sort of the quality in the field and, and you have to qualify for. Whereas New York is sort of like you know by lottery, so mm-hmm. anybody can can say anybody, but it's open to to everyone without qualification. So. New York size is what I'm referring to. Right. Is, is something everybody strives to be, whether you're Chicago or London or some of these races, everyone's sort of kind of using New York as a, as a measuring stick. Yeah. So what's something about like designing a marathon? Like what's one of the like challenges like that you wouldn't think of or that, that surprised you? Um, I mean, it, it gives you an appreciation and it's a love hate kind of thing for um, government you you uh, realize uh, all the layers that exist in our in our um, you know modern modern society whether it's it's um, city state um, federal uh, local associations bids and all these all these um, smaller entities that exist so I I, I kind of um, was surprised by that even though I had studied it all it's different when you kind of read about it in a book or, or learn about it from a, from a college professor and then you actually have to go down the layers and, and, and permit your, or apply for a permit for your events. So that, that I would say it was one of the surprises. The other surprise was how, um, how much uh, we put on our police officers in, in a city um, environment. These these off duty officers are like the backbone of your event, and to to say that you can pull pull off one of these monsters without them is, you know, it's nonsense. So that was another surprise on on how I was going to have to establish a relationship with all these police officers, which um, that also caught me um, not by surprise, but it was just kind of one of those like, wow, this is going to be a big part of my job, is being friends with these guys, and in my first meeting with them, I remember as if it were yesterday where it was it's like oh my gosh I'm I'm you know I'm dealing with a group at the time that didn't even know what a marathon was right it was like it's like and back 20 years ago marathoning wasn't as widely um and the word's not accepted but as widely understood as as it was after Boston or 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 um after Oprah did New York or P Diddy did uh New York I think now it's a little easier when you tell somebody a marathon. They're like, "Oh yeah, that's that long race." Yeah, everyone knows somebody's somebody. Yeah, somebody. yeah. and sometimes and sometimes they don't know the exact distance, but that's okay. But when I went to my first meeting, they're like, "26.2 miles." Like, why would anybody, you know? And it was that's like that kind of that kind of conversation. 
And so I was like, oh my gosh, these guys are a position of authority. They don't care. They don't understand it. And now I'm best friends with all those guys now, which is pretty cool. Have some of them run? Have you inspired some Yeah, of them? man. Yeah, actually, along the way, that's what's cool, too. Like, one of the coolest things about what, what I see at finish lines is that the guys who told you that running wasn't cool, or I shouldn't say it like that, that maybe played another sport and didn't see running as, like, the, the cool thing, they end up um, crossing your finish lines, right? Like they end up because, and and to no 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 um, you know fault of their own. Like when's the last you know? If, let's say you played football, right? Uh, I don't know what sport did you play. I was soccer, lacrosse, so, soccer. Okay, yeah. so even soccer, lacrosse, right? Like soccer, probably especially in Miami, you can get away with calling some friends and saying, "Hey, let's go kick the ball around." But if you played football or lacrosse, it'd be like call your friends up when you're twenty something or thirty something or forty something and be like. Hey, get your sticks. Let's uh, you know, let's go play. They're gonna be like, uh, same thing for football, right? You're not gonna tell somebody, hey, you know, get your pads on. Let's go. You might throw a flag football game here and there, but it's not something you're gonna do forever. So I think uh, as we get into adult life, we're like, uh, what sports can I do that are still like giving me a good bang for my buck, exercise wise, helps me maintain my weight. Um, you know, all those boxes get checked off. Running tends to be one of those. Mm. You know. Um, you know, we know there's a few others, but, but I think running, biking, swimming, well, swimming's not as, as social, but when you think of like social activities where you can call up a group of friends and be like, Hey, let's, let's, let's go do this. You can think of mountain biking. You can think of running. You can think of, of I guess, obviously playing golf, um, basketball, basketball's a little hard, man. Cause like, the courts are full look, a lot of places, man. It's hard to, I mean, you can go with some friends and then play pickup, you know, but I, and that's fun to do. I, I think basketball is a, a great example. I mean, my dad still, you know, still likes to go shoot around, and and he used to take me to the courts. But the thing with basketball is that there does become an age where it's just like dangerous to do, right? Like, I, you know, yeah, you can go shoot around, but when you really get into like a pickup game right. at fifty five, sixty years old, you're you're running the risk of yeah. uh, of, of having to visit the urgent care that night, you know. So so yeah, but. Look, I, I, I think, um, going back to the original point on this, I think the cool thing about showing running to so many people, especially at a young age, it's something they can pick up regardless of their, of their income, regardless of their you know, place in the world. You can run anywhere. You don't need a, a nice court or a nice field or whatnot. You can just go out and run outside your hotel room, outside of your apartment. So that's why I believe in it. Um, it's not that I'm such a fan. I mean, I love the sport and I've follow it and so forth but it's more so because i understand how accessible it is to the world that it's worth telling that story and introducing it yeah it's one of the most minimal things you can do probably the most because like for me triathlons I always I did a few triathlons, but I always spent more time in like the changing area than like in the in the ocean. Like I'm just like not in a hurry to get out of the wetsuit. I'm just like oh my god, it just like it, it becomes the whole like like fashion show and like you got your bike and it's like there's nothing more minimal than running, you know. And so I yeah, think I agree. There's a lot of room to grow as as a human race with that. Yeah. Um, and having more fun with it, you know. Yeah. Uh, so. Considering the Miami Marathon, like what percentage of people are actually from Miami? How many visitors do we get doing it? So we do about 67, it's, it's gone up a tick or two, but about 67, 68% of the whole uh, field of runners comes from outside Miami-Dade County, which means that they Come have outside? To, outside of Miami-Dade oh, wow. County, so which means that either they have, they have a really early morning drive, like maybe, maybe driving in from Palm Beach or something, or they spend the night. Um, we do, um, 
uh, I don't know, probably close to 20,000 room nights happen that, that span of the week. Um, people from all over the world, uh, Latin America is, is one of our biggest draws, um, uh, or we draw from Latin America the most. Uh, the Northeast is big. As far as countries are concerned, Colombia is still at the top of our list with, with well over a thousand. Mexico is pretty big, uh, Costa Rica, Guatemala, um, Ecuador, uh, Canada. So all these places uh, call, you know, call, call warmer climates uh, for, for their destination races, such as Miami during January. So that's, that's why we, we end up pulling it. So. And that brings a lot of... A lot, of, a lot of money to the city, right? It does, it does. quantify that. It does, <laughs> man. And, and so we've, we've obviously had several studies done, and, and um, your, you know, some estimates have come in well over 10 million, some near over 20. It, it all depends how you, how you measure the indirect and direct um, impact. But uh, I think I used, to, I used to talk a lot about the economic impact, and, and that, um, you know, it, it, it resonated, obviously, with certain leadership in, in the community, but... I, since then, since realizing that it's a little bit more um, impactful, I think, or, or I shouldn't say impactful, but a little more um, uh, of, a, of, a, of a more uh, defining moment for the city to have an event like this as a sense of pride, as a sense of, of health and fitness as a priority. Uh, I, I prefer to talk about that more than I talk about the economic heads right. and beds, as they, as they say. Um, because listen, at every, any event, whether it's an ultra concert or Sobe One Food Festival or any, they all have economic impact. Um, there's no no doubt. But there's, I think, something special about um, an event such as this one that brings the locals and the out of towners together in a healthy manner. Um, and so that impact to me is 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 great. And I think down the road, anytime you go run in a city. Uh, and you experience it from the ground, you know, at sort of eye level and not not behind a wheel. Uh, you're you're just gonna have a different relationship with that city, and you may come back and open up your business here, or you may come mm. back here, go to school here, you may come back here and and um, you know vacation here. So the impact. That's why I say like the impact. Yes, there's a finite, I'm sure, measurement that that as accurate as you can possibly make it on the dollars that weekend. But I prefer to talk about okay, did we extend the lives of folks? Did we, did we bring them back to the city later on? Did we establish a connection with them where they're just they have this affinity to Miami for years to come? That's more important to me. Yeah, and so is there anything about running in Miami that like that people don't know? Like, or is there anything, like I I know the climate is very tough in the summers. Is there anything that you've noticed about running in Miami? And I've noticed, uh, I, I think it's changed uh, throughout throughout the years uh, that that people are a little more um, uh, encouraged and open themselves to run in other places where sort of, as they say, running doesn't belong or running hasn't belonged. Uh, you know, there's groups now running in the urban uh, parts of, of the city. There are... Um, uh, Folks running out in the suburbs. There's folks going out to the Everglades. There's folks that that have their tried and true, you know, uh, every Saturday long run on on Bayshore. But then there are, there's these sort of pockets that now we're seeing people run 
in in different places and i think that's what's been cool about miami that uh because we i mean we, we don't have a great trail system so it's not like people are out you know pounding the same you know trails or this is in portland where they're where they're running mm-hmm. the forest trails so this is this is the uh, forest park trails this is um still kind of a wide open canvas that you can go and and and, and run I don't know, one day run down the Miami River, another day run through Little Havana, another day, another day go down to Homestead and run through the Redlands or, or whatnot. So I still think that there's a lot to explore on foot. Um, if if you, you mention the word secret or what, what else, I I keep bringing up, I've said it twice already, so I'll say it a third time, the Everglades, man. like The Everglades mm-hmm. for me is like one of those places that is still to yet to be fully uh, discovered. I don't think it'll ever be understood because everyone goes out there like, uh, what is this? You know? it's, it's spread out. You know? Yeah, but uh, but the Everglades to me is. Uh, Will you ever start a trail run? In the I have. I, I've done a couple. I've had a couple out there. I've taken some folks out on school buses. We've taken the run clubs out to to uh, to experience uh, an area in, inside of the Everglades National Park, and I, I to me to me that's one of the, one of my favorite things to do is just like you've got people that have lived here thirty years, forty years, fifty years, and they've never stepped foot on a trail in the Everglades. They've driven through it. They've on their way to Naples, or you know, they've come close to it when they go to Homestead. But a lot of folks have never truly experienced um, one of the coolest things we have here. Yeah, uh, I I haven't. I mean, I've been on like the, oh, man, so the speed boats or whatever, uh, like the, uh, the <laughs> airboats. You mean the airboats? The airboats. Yeah, which is cool. The, that's that's one way to experience it. But but to go out there and like and and experience this this it's vast. It's big. Um, you know, area where. Most of our drinking water gets, you know, gets deposited and, and affects so much of, of the Gulf of Mexico and so much of, of, of our bay is affected by this, you know, this um, national park um, and never have stepped foot in it. I, I tell people, I'm like, man, you're, you're still not a full Miamian. Like, this is part of... All right, where should people go? Where's, like, the, the, the destination in the so, Google Maps? Like, so I would, I would go, go down to the Ernest Coe uh, Visitor Center, which is um, down in, um, in Homestead. It's probably, and that's the other thing, how close it is. Probably about 45 minutes from downtown Miami. I mean, you just spent 45 minutes. That's an occasion, though. That's an occasion, you know. Most people run outside of their house, you know. It's like, it's, it's, it's quite an occasion. I think, I think more clubs sponsoring those trips. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Listen, you need, you obviously need that nudge, but, but if you want to explore something, I would say you go down, you go down to the main entrance down, down in the homestead entrance. And, um, unfortunately it's gotten a little pricey. It's like 30 bucks to Per, per car, so take okay. a car filled with people, or buy the annual pass. I think it's like fifty-five bucks for the annual, and then you keep coming back. Uh, I don't recommend it in August. I don't recommend it in June, July, August, even most of September. Uh, so the the other eight eight nine months of the year, it's heaven out there. I think it's great. The mosquitoes are are not as bad and or uh, bad at all. I was there last weekend, and there was nothing nothing going on down there as far as bugs. Um, but uh, but you go down there. There's a there's a, a trail. One of my favorites called Long Pine Key, inside of a campground that has, a, I don't know. I think it's close to fourteen miles worth of of, of leveled, um, uh, good footing uh, trails, and then uh, another nice trails to go all the way to Flamingo, which is, if people there's another fun fact for people, the southernmost point in mainland U.S. is actually in a place called East Cape. It's the um, southernmost point it's not key west because it curves a little bit it kind of curves out a bit um it's hard to get to 
but we made it a crazy group of runners out there. It involved a, a little bit of, uh, of treading through some water and, um, and swimming a little. But um, you can actually trail, run a trail that leads to this that's perfectly blazed for about five miles called, to, to a spot called Clubhouse Beach. And that's awesome, awesome. Like that's, you, want, you want to experience like raw South Florida? That's, that's raw South Florida and tons of history down there. So those are those are two spots I I put in somebody's yeah. box. You know, yeah, if we have any runners out. listening, uh, any I runners? hope you have. I hope you have at least. I think most people and, are runners. <laughs> and, and, and listen, it, 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 and by the way, one thing I will say about that is that there's no official definition for when you are you are a runner. Let's let's put. I had a meeting this morning with somebody and like, oh, I'm not really a runner. I'm like, I know, it's not an official definition for being a runner. You don't get certified to be a runner after a certain amount of runs. You don't get you don't get a shirt that says I'm a runner after a certain race. That's bullcrap. Like you, you don't have, you have ever to ever run before. <laughs> yeah, look, look, uh, Phil Knight. Phil Knight says it best, right? On on uh, you know for for Nike, he says you know if you've got a body, you're an athlete. Same same principle to to running, right? You've got a body, you can call yourself a runner. Um, you know, but to be a runner, you have to run <laughs> a, little, a little bit. A little bit. So we'll put that you know as a as the only uh, requirement. Couch to five k. I mean, what would you say to somebody who's run? Some five Ks, but like, what would you say to someone to motivate them to do their first marathon? Um, I'd say go to a marathon first. Like, actually, physically go go to one. Right? There, there aren't many free live sporting events, and marathoning is one of those. Like, professional athletes will will cross the finish line first, and then the one place where they actually get to play on the same field. Um, is is a marathon so if your local city or your local big city marathon or half marathon just go go there and the reason I say is besides cheering or just standing there to show support for for these athletes because they all are um, you're gonna see somebody that looks like you I promise you you know you're gonna see somebody that you're gonna identify with and you're like all right that guy kind of looks like me or you know what, he's a little taller than me, and if that guy can do it, I can do it too, or, or whatnot. And, and that's one, one place to start. And then um, the second thing is probably, I don't know, just call, call a friend. Like everybody has one friend that has, has run. And if you don't, you got to be that friend. you got to be the one that becomes a runner. Yeah. Yeah, you got to demystify it, and then also uh, yeah, expose yourself a bit gradually. To, and the more you join run clubs where you're around people who've done them before, it becomes less of a scary thing, right? It's like, oh yeah, my friend John, like he, he ran one last month. Like I'm, yeah, people joining these groups and that's why, and we'll get to that, it's so powerful. Uh, I think sure. we'll put away marathons for a little bit. I, <laughs> I actually did the Chicago Marathon and... You had a bad uh, experience? No, it's just, uh, my joy peaks at a half marathon. I love half marathons. Uh, it's, um, it's just like, I can run a half marathon like any morning, you know, after a good meal. Um, it's just like the the full, just the pain. I just, I, yeah. the joy was gone when, I, when my foot started bleeding at like the last mile. And then, I know it was like the last two miles. And then, uh, of course, in Chicago, they're always handing you like ridiculous uh, treats, you know, like like Jägermeister or, uh, or uh, what's the other one that they drink over there? Um, but uh, absinthe or just, anyway, like I, at one point I was so, 
I, I had no more fuel in me and I didn't like fuel properly probably, but like yeah. I must have had like five bananas in a row <laughs> and you have no idea. Like that doesn't feel great. Like no, you're like, <laughs> no, no, no. I hope you, I hope you at least peeled them. Right. Cause then yeah, I didn't eat the skin, no, but I'd say, uh, it was very humbling and, um, my dad's a little bummed. I didn't beat his time, but I'm like, you know, dad, that's great for you. Like, uh, you also did Ironmans and, I don't know if I really you like care enough to do that, but I love balance. So it's good. I have like my balance is like 20k uh, a, a week. You know, I do a 5k myself with like house music that I love, and and that's something that I think more people need to realize is on one hand there's the 5k social with friends where you really bond with people and it's amazing and we're in the best city in the world for that with run clubs, and there's also like the kind of endorphin and, and high you get when you run to like your favorite music and in the morning, like before work or something like the, I think, I don't know, I guess I was, uh, I was reading like, <laughs> I finally reading this book that's like in my room where, by where I do the podcast. Usually it's talk like Ted, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Finally I'm reading it. And, uh, anyway, it, it hit on the page last night. It was about like how to motivate people. And it's like, um, there's ethos, logos, and pathos, right? So ethos is like your credibility, right? So, you know, Frankie, you got tons of credibility in Miami. Logos is like the, can you motivate people with statistics about like, oh, like if you run three times a week, you know, you're less likely to get, you know, heart disease or like, is that really going to motivate people? I don't know. But the last one is pathos and that's like your passion, right? So I think, you know, how can we motivate more runners? we have to show them how fun it is and like they're missing out on that high, you know, like, and so like, what would you say is a way we can get more people to experience that high? And I guess, is, you know, challenging more of the run club members to invite friends, you know, or like do kind of prizes on that. Like how many friends did you invite today? Like that could be a fun little thing. Like whoever brings the most friends gets this prize. We can do that. Let's we try that. that. We can do but, that. But, uh, Absolutely. I mean, I, I would say that, that one, one way to motivate um, others is is to realize that you have you have a ton of power. Like like we today we have more power than we've ever had. And and what I mean by that is you have this power to motivate others just by telling other people you're doing something. And social media provides that. And there's you know it sounds like I'm you know, I'm talking about something that people don't know is already obvious, but you you. When, when folks go out to something like a run club and they go out and run, a lot of folks see that as something they did for themselves. But what they don't realize is that by them doing that, they're either motivating somebody that's already there, like, you know, meaning, shit, he's doing it, um, I'm doing it, we're kind of in a group here, it doesn't feel awkward, we're all together, we're doing this, that's one way. But then there are others that are sitting at home that are like, you know what, if, if uh, you know, John is, is running... I think I can do it next week. Just back going back to my my point about going to a race and getting inspired by others, you have this power to actually inspire this just by doing it. You something you don't have to say anything. It, it just let it come to you. Like somebody's gonna come up to you eventually. One of your friends, one of your neighbors, one of your cousins or whatnot is gonna come and be like, hey, um, let's go for a run. Or you may be able to say it to them after you realize that they've they've started to pick up on on some some form of of, of uh, aerobic exercise like like running. Um, I don't know it. I I I don't think it requires as much selling as people think, but there does need to be some sort of you use the word demystify. There has to be some demystification of 
this idea that running is something that is a punishment, that's something that is laborious and it's supposed to feel like crap. And it, it does, if, if, if anybody thinks that, they got to come to one of the run clubs at you know, right when it's over. They can see that people are not like hating what they just, just did. You know, like they say, like you're never going to regret a run, right? Like after you're done, you see everyone, you're like, all right, this, what, this doesn't seem like it was that bad. Yeah, of course, there's a little bit of pain and, you know, some sweating and so forth. But it's not as bad as it may have been when you were a kid and they punished you using running. Your PE coach used it. Right. And I think what you guys, have, I mean, what we'll get to the story of it. But uh, just for anyone out there, like the, the Nike Run Clubs, there's so many pace groups that you don't have to ever be self-conscious about your pace. I mean, you can literally walk it if you really want to. So, like, you don't even have to have shoes. And, I, and I've, I've had friends who say, you know, so, I mean, I've never actually felt comfortable in a pair of running shoes like i never found one that worked for my feet yeah. what would you say to those people they gotta keep trying shoes i know you gotta keep trying because man these companies have all figured out all the different sh- foot types and so forth and then you got shoes that kind of form more to to your foot type uh now than ever like before maybe have been a bit harder there was a lot of debate about pronating and supinating and neutral and this and that and most of the brands have sort of figured out that um you know, some folks are, are not looking to get that technical about about their sh- their footwear. That being said, there there is there has been some significant advances in shoes and just providing comfort and performance at the same time. So whoever says that they haven't you know they found a shoe that works for them, they haven't tried hard enough. They haven't you know it's just like a car. There's ten ten different manufacturers that are all providing some some shoe that's gonna. You know, some or some model that's gonna work for you. You just gotta gotta go to. It's one of the last industries that still has stores. <laughs> I know because they're all and, dying out. Yeah, you know? I mean, and, and and so so go support them because usually it's your local mom and pops. And, do you have one at, at some I, point? I I am part owner of one called uh, Go Run. I've uh, been in in one way or another in the shoe business for better part of the last seven eight years, um, and and yeah, the cool thing about these shoe stores is you go and you try on shoes. <laughs> It's like going to a dealer, right? You car, you drive, test drive a car. Well, you now you can do the same with your your shoes. And most of the shoe companies are pretty darn generous with returns. Um, you know, they, they they encourage the returns in some cases. Like Nike will, will say you got sixty days to give back your shoes. I mean, so if if I have fifty days, you haven't figured out the shoes not good for you. <laughs> you got a different problem. But um, but yeah, you got to go get fitted. Go support local business. And and I would say uh, you know treat treat yourself to good pair of shoes. Don't just kind of online shop because well, the colors I have, are nice. I have, you'll, I have like a minimalist shoe that I love. Like uh, what are you running? Asics okay. made these things yeah. called the Canmai, uh-huh. with like a they're the lightest shoe you can find, and they're just like really minimal. And uh, unfortunately, they don't make them anymore. So I have to like order them from eBay anytime they pop up somewhere. Last time it was like in Germany, and I had to like pay twice as much. But like. I don't know. I love the minimalism, so I was a That's big good. like free run guy. But I got to work with one of these brands on a Simba shoe because like I, I can't find this one anymore, man. They, they've all become so so like overflowery and like there's just like so many because there's like thousands of engineers working on shoe technology. And it's like I, I'm kind of back to the whole born to run book mentality, which I love, and I'm sure you've read that. Yeah. But well, um, look, I, I and this this might be another sort of. Um, longevity tip is vary your shoe surface or your your your, your running surface mm-hmm. uh, and um, 
you know, shoes will be less of an issue. Well, what I mean by that is, if, yes, some of us only live in concrete jungles, but it takes a little bit of driving sometimes to find um, a little bit of grass or a little bit of uh, a trail or gravel somewhere. Um, and, and that's where you can use these minimalist shoes to, to there's no end because it's softer, softer on, the, on the body, a little less lessening that, uh, that, that impact from every stride. But uh, I'm with you. Like I don't like heavy shoes. I don't. I don't like uh, a whole lot of cushion in my shoe. I, I'm into the. Can't say I'm all the way. My pendulum hasn't swung all the way over. But but I, I do enjoy that feeling of of almost feeling the ground. Feeling the ground, like having your yeah. toes like kind of like feel the feedback. Sure. Sometimes some of these shoes, like your toes, completely stop like feeling anything. Yeah. And yeah. so like your foot doesn't brace for the impact as much or. Yeah. Anyhow, we're not going to go into. Te- I'm sure there's like running podcasts out there where you oh, can man, talk too many, shoe yeah. technology yeah, for hours. Too, but uh, too many. well, let's get to the story of the uh, the Baptist Health Nike Run Clubs. Like, uh, when did that start? Sure. Um, so the Run Clubs are part of a part of like an ecosystem uh, down here in South Florida, and not just my ecosystem, but the running ecosystem, which is is I think a necessary component of of. Uh, running in in your city for it to be to be to amplify what running's all about i think you need all these components you need your running stores you need your your big city race or your, at least your hometown race you need some 5k's to sort of maintain and 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 uh, give people um some in between racing experience and then you need you need i think these training groups or these running clubs and that's where we came in uh, almost 12 years ago. And not that there wasn't running clubs here. In fact, there was some really good ones. But we came in and kind of gave it um, a newness to it, uh, a little less about the running. Uh, it wasn't uh, short shorts and, and high socks, um, although I think those things are coming back. It, was, it really was just about people. It wasn't about the running. And we did that beginning in 2009 with with uh, Nike as a partner and Baptist Health as a as another supporting partner we started on South Beach and that what we call the the original run club uh, that club sort of just gave everybody the idea that running could exist in that form and now you've got running clubs and running crews all over the city and and um, we're we look like a mature running um, you know town and these uh, these sort of tribes, because everyone tribes up, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone finds more or less where where they uh, assimilate and, and sort of associate best with. And we did we did uh, the second one in Brickell, and Brickell became quickly because of the density there and and um, the, the the way we formatted the groups being so open. They're free and they're open to anyone, any pace, any level. Uh, that one became what we consider one of the world's largest free week, weekly run clubs with nights averaging 600 people, 300 people, 400 people, rain or shine. And this uh, then sp- spawned a few others in a few other um, um, neighborhoods, Weston, Gables, Homestead, West Kendall, Kendall. Uh, these, for those who don't know, these are all sort of neighborhoods or cities of their own right in, in the South Florida area. And on a weekly basis, the Baptist Health Run Clubs probably see anywhere from five to eight hundred people um, weekly, and that's free, no strings attached. We don't ask you for anything but a waiver. In fact, we give stuff to you every week. You know, free bottles of water, 
core exercise, pacer led, um, certain special sort of monthly gatherings we do in some of the neighborhood businesses and never have asked anybody a dime. Never have asked anybody for a dime. Never said, hey, there's a membership fee or there's some sort of, you know, we're going to dupe you a bit here and charge you for something. We don't. A lot of giveaways and the idea behind that was um, that it was it was going to be something that was part of the community's fabric forever and the consistency of it um, you can always find us there I mean minus COVID times no matter what I mean even hurricane warning you know hurricane uh, is approaching the coast and we're still putting on Instagram hey we'll see you there as long as as long as it's relatively safe you're going to see us there. And, and we've been doing this now for 12, about last 12 years or so, 12, 13 years. So it's been, it's been a nice ride. And, um, and I know that this isn't entirely unique to the world. I mean, there's, there's run crews and run clubs around the country. But Miami, for whatever reason, those that are familiar with our culture here, um, we're, we're very trendy and we think we're trendy, but we're very transient. So people come and go and things start up and shut down and... Businesses open, close, something's cool for a while, then it goes away. Well, running clubs or run clubs haven't haven't been the case. Well, it's because of you, Frankie, man. I mean, no, you love 305 I mean, so much. No, I've been part of a lot of run clubs in uh, different cities. And, yeah, a lot of them times they are like a fad or, or they fade at, over time as like the founder who is super passionate leaves town or goes yeah, somewhere else. Yeah. So, you know, I think one of the secrets is like your consistency and, and your passion for 305. I think... Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see what we have here in every city, you know, and I don't really know what's, I think it's totally possible, right? So, yeah. like, what would you say, I guess here, like, I think having, like, an organization that kind of takes leadership and ownership of having it available, like, you you do that. And and then Nike also, I think I think brands like Nike, Reebok, other brands could take more of a, a leadership uh, role in saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to safeguard that these huge run clubs are available in communities that we have Nike stores, yeah. you know, like they Let's should be everywhere. Say, say what you will about big business or big, big shoe companies, but Nike has, has been uh, amazing to uh, our community here in South Florida. They, you know, may, folks may not see this as a major media marketer, a New York or Chicago, but, but I, I think Nike has, has shown all the importance to this city and to this community and they deserve a lot of credit for it. It's been, like I said, 12 plus years where they've supported financially because what we, one of the secrets to our sort of success is that these Pacers, although they do it out of passion, they get some, they get some compensation for their work and yeah, their time. Yeah, they're being paid while they're there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So shout out King Richard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great. Right. And they're bringing the speakers and the passion. And, yeah. and you can, I mean, extra joy from, yeah, it's like their job. So like, right. they can have extra joy because they know they're being paid. Right. And, <laughs> and and it had to be set up that way if we were going to keep it free for the runners, right? Like it's, it, if the companies, the companies that are out there like Nike and Baptist Health and, and some of the others that we picked up along the way haven't hadn't been there, Either the club would go away or we'd be charging people that n- might not necessarily be able to afford it. And that's what's really cool. So I've been, one thing I will say about some of the other cities I've visited, um, one thing the running clubs end up uh, doing is that they kind of, they almost um, become, uh, I don't want to say economic status is, is, is only of one layer, but some of these clubs, because they pop up in some of these neighborhoods, 
that they end up becoming almost exclusive to that neighborhood. What the cool thing about Miami and and the fact that none of these clubs charge anything is that we can have tonight, for instance, Tuesday nights are um, the Brickle Run Club. There's folks that drive in from some of the poorest places in in in, uh, in our community. There are folks that just landed in Miami and are just trying to experience, or, or like you you said, you're like make friends here in in the city, and there's this giant just collision collision in a very friendly manner of of all kinds of people like we got wheelchairs out there which is like one of the coolest things that, to see when you see this inclusive nature of running it really is the most democratic sport at you know at, at play at that point like you can see it you can touch it you can feel it and that's that's a um, you know an awesome thing and in a city that can do this 365 days a year we got hit with one hurricane that's right. All bits are about, bits yeah, are when you it. when you get off the horse, you know, it's like some of these other cities. Yeah, you know, it's tough during winter to keep it up the momentum. So we have that. Um, you have an obligation, and like it, it's like get off the phone or get hurricane. off. Hurricane, we got to run through the TV. Too, you know? Just go out there and run. Yeah, man. <laughs> have you run through a hurricane before? I have actually. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, well, not through a hurricane, but we 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 hung in here for a hurricane. I think it was Irma. We we hunkered down and um, and we. <laughs> We went running down Biscayne Boulevard. I still have video of it, like where there wasn't a car. It was almost like the COVID time, right? There were no cars, nothing out there. And it was a few hours before the storm hit, but eventually hit my house. Three feet of water inside my house. But just gotta wait for the eye to roll around. That's you know? right, and then you go out, <laughs> go out for a good, good quick thirty and come back in. You know, yeah. Well, that's great, man. I really, yeah, I think the future is more cities having what we have. So we're like almost like a landmark city, you know. And um, yeah. speaking of that, so uh, I think. Yeah, I did see you were uh, you were nominated the Miami Chief Wellness Officer <laughs> yeah. by uh, Francis Francis Suarez. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I know that you said there might be some videos with Francis. I think he might be coming to some runs here. Yeah. Um, but are there any metrics that you really look at in terms of in Miami, like a way you can kind of quantify? Like, is there any goals you know in terms of like Miami wellness and how to improve it? Look, I, we still rank at the bottom for a lot of things. Um, you know, there's there's. Uh, uh, prevalence of, of diabetes in our in our community we're just going over some of those stats uh heart disease is still a, a big issue here um you know I, I don't think covid did us any any favors when it when it came to that um maybe it shed some light on the need for for uh, health and, and and fitness but um a lot of folks just kind of became more sedentary they, now they're not even getting in their car to go to work right uh but as far as specific metrics um that I, I mean, a lot of is observant and just kind of looking at what, what has happened throughout the years. I, I do think we're a little more uh, outdoor active. Um, we're, we're seeing uh, some of the pedestrian counts on some of these um, uh, recreational corridors like the Rickenbacker and, and Bayshore have, have some high, higher counts. Um, races, obviously, that's another metric, like how, how's participation in some of these from, from locals that i'd like to see that up a bit more um we we are going to spend a little more time in the schools that that's been uh, a big focus of mine uh, kids run miami is a is a one initiative that we took on years ago but i think i think we're we're in need to 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 influence the um the youth of our community and in in terms of uh, exercise a bit further than we are right now i mean you have middle schools that don't have pe you have mm. facilities that are you know, uh, in, in disrepair and, and there's parks that still are not as inviting as they should be. So these are all things that we're, we're, where I'm trying my best to, 
with with hopefully some other enthusiasts and advocates to influence. Uh, one one big thing I'd like to see changed here is uh, I'd like to see our schools uh, schoolyards open uh, all year long um, as as park space. I think that's a big miss for us. A lot of these schools uh, exist in in communities where there isn't a park within ten minutes. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that open up your basketball courts, open up your fields, let, 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 um, you know, the neighborhood walk, uh, their, their dog even, I mean, whatever, I mean, pick up after yourself, but, but, um, you know, go out and recreate in our, in our school, uh, yards. That's something that, that I'd like to see change here. Um, and, uh, and then the other thing I'd say, you know, and this is to, to Francis's credit is, um, make sure that our elected officials and our leaders are setting the right example themselves. I think we have you know, this. I may call out some some elected officials or some uh, public officials out there where they were saying, "Go put on your mask," but um, they themselves, you know, weren't doing anything to to um, uh, make themselves healthier, right? And I think that uh, using someone like Francis that is uh, exercising regularly, eats well, um, and and promotes physical activity. I think some of our other elected officials kind of need to to take uh, take note of that and, and do it themselves. You ultimately, when you're elected, you should be an example of you know all all those things. Yeah, um, I always thought fun would be like I would love to be in charge of like doing more surveys of like Miami residents, you know, and like seeing kind of like seeing uh, you know who hasn't exercised in like the past two weeks, and like maybe like give them some tips or like a free membership somewhere or. Tell them to come to Nike. I mean, yeah. I mean, these groups at, at Nike are so enormous. Um, do you have any idea of like? I mean, there's still a lot of growth potential. I feel in Greater Miami. I mean, do you have any visions of like what it might look like like ten years from now? Will there be two runs in South Beach every week? Because uh, I know we're getting really big size. Yeah. Um, no, man. I, I look. I, I these groups. Um, I, I've kept them at eight for now, just because my own physical bandwidth, but. Um, what I hope that these groups spawn is sort of subgroups. Like I like to say that these groups are made up of all groups, right? It's kind of like the United Nations of, uh, of running here in, in, in South Florida. And, and from there, hopefully these subgroups where someone says, hey, you know what, you live down the street from me. Hey, you work up the street from me. Or you know what, we have more or less the same schedule. Let's, let's get three or four uh, you know, of us together and let's run on Sunday morning. And let's, then maybe we'll do brunch. And these smaller groups can come from these, these uh, um, eight, eight different run clubs we have now. Um, I would love to have you know, a run club in front of everyone's steps, but you know, there's only there's only so much so much what we could we could do. But um, if anyone's listening out there, I, I, you know, there's nothing stopping you from starting your own run club. Like, we had a run club of one at first. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a story actually. Uh, so I once uh, when, when Nike wasn't active, uh, I was at first doing my Thursday run. I love. I'm a, such a creature routine. I do my Thursday run anyways. But uh, I was doing it by myself for a while, mm-hmm. and it was like five mile or whatever. I talked to my sis after or whatever. But eventually I was running by the track and I was like, finally I went to the track and I met Run Addict. And so I, mm-hmm. Elliot, Elliot was one of the first ones on the podcast and uh, that's a great try. But like what came out of that was I actually started a, a heel up run on Sunday. So my favorite thing, Frankie, is to do a, like a six mile run every Sunday morning. To kind of run off any Saturday feasting, you know, like, you know, you got to have... Feasting or partying. Feasting, whatever, you know, like it's, you got to have the day of celebration and, yeah, and, and you know, different Absolutely. foods make some mistakes with your food, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, basically, 
what came out of it was a nine nine mile run or no six mile run sorry and uh, I put it on the app but God it's like it, it, there's hasn't been many people checking out the app unfortunately not as many uh, who live in South Beach near there so what's what it's turned into is that me and, and Greg who's a big Nike run fan yeah. Greg uh, Romanesque, uh, mm -hmm. me and him go like like best friends every every Sunday morning but like what I'm saying is I'm open to that group being a bit bigger it, it does have a name to it and I think that is something that I could see more people starting up their own little mini pods, you know, and what's cool about Run Attic is it does create an app where you have a chat for each run, right? So there could be a partnership here where it's like, hey guys, you guys love Nike. If you ever want to organize another run in the week, you can use Run Attic, talk with Elliot, and then you can host it. So I think I'll never forget when Nike, when the run club started back up in South Beach and you took us straight down to the track right in front of Elliot and you go, we run my, <laughs> that's just like that, that's like that fun rivalry that, that is beautiful. But like yeah. what's, what's brilliant is I think I can't, I love you guys both to death. So I, I have to go alternate sometimes and go to both. But what I'm saying is I think there's room here for these other mini pods forming 100%. because my yeah. Sunday morning run does not appeal to a lot of people who can or don't live near me. Right. Because like, I think that would be my dream if you ever came to one of my Sunday morning runs. But I don't think you're so, you live so far away. You gotta that dream bigger than that. It's just man. not real. You gotta dream bigger than that. <laughs> I'm just not sure how realistic it is. So I think you know locally more pods forming uh, around these big you know weekly sure. events. I think that's where a lot of growth can happen here in Miami. And agreed. Agreed. No, I mean Elliot. Elliot. Uh, and he he took it and, and ran with it so to speak. Um, and uh, during COVID, I think he he did what what i think um needed to be done which is kind of take ownership over over inviting folks to to run with him and um all the all the credit to to him and the and the, the group he's got going i've i've sent him uh, a, a few runners that want to be coached or wanted want a little more structure which for those that don't know like basically the run clubs are there's some structure to it but we're not we're not necessarily training for something specific you're not you know, you may come to me and have a conversation about being faster in the 5K and I'll help you out, but it's not specifically um, geared towards performance. It's rather a shared, you know, exercise experience that um, you can do your midweek maintenance run. You can do, heck, you might be pushed. But don't get me wrong. There's some fast, fast guys and girls out there, but it's not structured to, you know, to to be coached, so to speak. Right, it's more of a social event, um, yeah. which is necessary and, and a, you know, a huge part of my week. Um, yeah, speaking yeah. of, uh, all right, some last tips for coaching-wise. So 10 years, state 10 state championships, coaching no. the Bellin High School uh, cross-country. I'm, I'm only going to correct you, not because of me, but because of the, the kids who've, who've earned this stuff, but we have 13 total, um, 12 under myself as a coach. But, um, yeah, it's a, that's... That's what I love doing, man. I love coaching yeah, I kids to, to win. What's your secret to, to, to that kind of performance? Um, I mean, I wish it was just one thing, but uh, I would I would I would say that you're if at at the high school level, the secret really is getting them to focus on on actual running, like actually putting the time into the running. That that gets you to a certain level that from there it's just it's, I don't want to say it's enough but that right there puts you in a in, in sort of a cloud of, of your own and that's one thing we've done we just make sure that they're putting in the time they're running six days sometimes seven days a week they're uh, they're running for 
all four years and then some of them even before that for middle school. So it's a, it's a long-term plan, but it's just, just putting in the time. And like the, that's the secret. The secret is in you know, a specific workout or a specific shoe or certain the food they eat. All those things play a factor, but it really boils down to just put in the time. Discipline. I mean, sometimes it's tough love or tough forcing or, or tough you know, pushing. So do you, uh, Greg actually had a question for you. He's like, as a leader, do you prefer to be liked or to be feared? Or occasionally, do you leverage fear, or do you leverage kind of being tough on people? I, I um, so I, I treat the adults differently than I treat right. my, my high school kids. Um, I, I sometimes try to treat the, the, the adults like kids, but um, but I much rather treat the the uh, the high school kids like adults. That's that's probably better. You're better off doing that, expecting more from from them than just what you might expect from a typical teenager. Um, but. To that end, to that question, I, I don't know. I don't want to be feared. Although, for some reason, I have some natural. I have a natural frown, so people <laughs> think that I'm mad all the time. Which just, I, I don't know how to fix it. I'm, I'm hoping that my son or my daughter doesn't get the same. Uh, but no, I don't. I don't want to ever lead by fear of, of, of anything. Um, no, I prefer to may, be respected and and have credibility and and. Um, yeah, I don't want to be feared. No, no, no. That's, that's what I told Greg. I was like, yeah, man, everyone, no one wants to be feared. But you, but if you ever feel not respected, you kind of got to bring down the hammer a little bit. Oh, yeah. You know? No, I mean, listen, I, I, my workouts out there, they're, they're, you're going to hear me yelling and screaming. I'm that coach. You know, I, I, I do like to come out of a workout knowing that I gave back to that work. Like, I was part of the energy of that workout. And if not, I'm going to let you know otherwise that it just wasn't going according to plan. I, I almost, you know, want to want to sweat as much as the athlete is, and part of that entails some yelling and screaming and some, you know, some motivated words and so forth. But uh, my style is probably somewhere in the middle. I'm not the crazy coach throwing clipboards, but I am, you know, and I, and I'm not the quiet, just do your thing coach, I'm kind of in the middle. And um, there are practices where I'm just like, you know, just. I may even run next to them for 100 yards screaming and shouting at them. That does a lot. So, yeah. yeah. So we got a few minutes left. Um, is there any like uh, morning habit or any kind of habit that makes you unique, you think, that you can share? I mean, right now, I don't feel like I have any habits with my kids, but um, I, I normally just like to open the door and stand outside. Like, I, I, if I could, I would live outside. Like, I just, I love being outside. I love. I love open curtains. I like to see my my front door neighbors. I like to see what's happening in front of my street. Uh, so that's just like a weird morning habit. Just knowing, I, I don't like to sleep. Right, like I like to be. I like to think of myself as the last one to go to sleep, and more or less the first one to wake up. I don't like to really be up before the sun comes up, um, but right when it comes up, like daylight. All right, I want to see. I want to see the world happening. I want to see the world, you know, moving. Um, I want to see people on bikes. I want to see people walking. I want to see the car drive by. Like all those things to me, part of getting my morning uh, started. So yeah, yeah, that's powerful, man. And always an orange. I always like to drink one glass of orange juice. That is every morning. Weird thing, yeah. Just love. Any specific brand you have now? I I mean, I don't endorse it, but I I think Trader (laughs) Joe's. You know, the Trader Joe's um, uh, organic. um, Whatever I forget the name of it. It's just OJ. That that one's awesome. Natalie's obviously expensive, but it's awesome too. Yeah, both of those. I, I always, man, always, and I can tell 
one of the cheap OJ or watered down OJ. So make sure. That yeah, that no, it better too. be the good stuff. So you also live right or you work right here near Trader Joe's. Uh, what is yeah. Lifetime, by the way? It maybe in like yeah, ten man. seconds. So Lifetime, Lifetime is the company that that bought the Miami Marathon from from me and in um, it's been eight years, I think. Um, and so now I work with and, and and for Lifetime. Lifetime is one of the largest health club operators in in the country. They also have Lifetime Living, Lifetime Work. Uh, they've got 160 plus uh, clubs around the country. They have these athletic resorts, which is where we're sitting right now. And, and one of these is in the Gables, which involves you can you can rent the place here and live here, and you can rent the place and work here, and you can also get a membership and and work out here. And I think um, you know one of one of the more unique companies that sort of flies under the radar, at least in South Florida, it does. But it's getting there. They're going to be opening up a second location in the Falls area, and uh, just a you know, health and, and fitness, uh, lifestyle driven company that also happens to have a portfolio of, of running and fitness and endurance events. One of those is, uh, you know, the Miami Marathon, uh, New York City Triathlon, Chicago Half Marathon, um, Chicago Triathlon. There's the Leadville Bike Series, the Leadville Running Series. I mean, there's, there's a plethora of, of iconic in, in endurance events and we're just a small part of this uh, we have our athletics events event uh, office here with a staff of about five people that are dedicated all year long to producing the turkey trot uh, the, the miami marathon the 305 half as well as um some um uh, some of these other uh, events around the country awesome man yeah and uh on that note here in miami are there any uh i always ask kind of like ideas for any like local businesses that you love, restaurants, anything that like you take the fam to that's kind of like Frankie spot? Man, I'm, I'm a, I, 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 I guess maybe it's a runner in me, but I can eat at the same spot almost every day, right? Like, so, so don't look, don't look at me for like, it sounds, what is your spot? Hey, I'm a, I'm a very I'm, loyal person too, I'm, yeah. but I'm saying I'm loyal to like a couple spots that might yeah, be man. where so, you go. So look, national chain wise, I'll do the Chipotle. I I think you can't you can't really go wrong. Well, I take that back. Some other some of Chipotle's can be a little a little inconsistent, but there's a couple that do it right. Um, besides that, I like Lime. Um, you know, another sort of national chain, but it started here in South Florida, so I, I enjoy Lime on South Beach. Um, Picadillo, which is actually here in the Gables, is good stuff. We do that often. And then for dinner, my favorite restaurant is an old school restaurant called Oji. Um, it's in in up near you it's in north north bay village so on the kind of north north end of the beach and that italian restaurant is probably one of the best okay. italian restaurants in the in, in in the city i've been doing that for for a long time so i enjoy that and then go to is always joe's stone crab you just kind of want to that the takeout there just have a good good afternoon with the family so i like that as well so awesome uh, i like key lime pie that's why oh they have one of the best that's i'll yeah. say i was impressed by that one um do you have, uh, for running fuel for marathons, do you pre-fuel the night before or do you do all like the, the gooeys? I think I, I learned this from my wife, who's a, a sports dietitian. Um, I, I used to think of it as only a one-night prep. But I think, um, you know, if you kind of have an understanding of your sort of uh, your body and, and how it fuels, you can start to kind of carve up a couple days prior to, even three days out even, um, so you sort of, so you don't have to completely slam yourself the night before if it's a marathon or a triathlon or something like that. So I, I do like to start thinking about, um, 
adding a, a few extra carbs to the, to the plate uh, 72 hours out um, and just start watching make sure staying away from the sodas and anything that's just going to give you either upset stomach or just too many highs and lows too quickly um, yeah I'm, I'm a whole wheat kind of guy so um, I don't need to I, I think one of the cool things about being into whole grains and so forth is that you don't need to have a lot of it to feel satisfied that's one other little trick I think some folks overdo it um it's a whole wheat pasta kind of thing. Yeah, I'm a whole wheat pasta guy all the time as much as possible. Awesome. Um, or as often as possible. Uh, even when I'm not going to race. Just like it. Awesome. Getting used to that. Feels like it tastes like something. Yeah. So last question. Who's a, who's a fun character in Miami who uh, would be fun for the podcast? Fun character in Miami would be fun for the podcast. Man, there's a, there's a lot. There's, You know, um, Mo at Sneaker Impact would be interesting. To, long-time Miamian. Um He's uh, someone I've gotten to know this this past year. Has a huge heart, has has his head in the right place when it comes to the environment. Is a socially responsible business owner, and um, and is I don't know a friend now right now in the running community. And he's been in Little Haiti for years. Uh, has a beautiful working staff that 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 he's uh, nurtured throughout the years. Someone cool and, and interesting, like not a name you see in the newspaper. But probably a story that that deserves to be in the paper. Right. No, that's what it's all about, man. Local voices, yeah, man. the grassroots characters who uh, make this town. And that's right. Thank you for making Miami one of the best running cities in the world. Thank you for and uh, big hug, being man. part of it, man. I'll see Thank you, you for, tonight for probably, tracking yeah. you down. Yeah, we'll see you at Run Club. Awesome. Yeah, I can't get enough of these Nike Run Clubs. So. <laughs> awesome, man. Thank Appreciate you. you.